giving a voice to the one in nine who suffer in silence and starting a conversation for Endometriosis Awareness Month. Life with Endo. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs. I am an endo warrior and a proud ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. I'm the one in nine women, girls, and those who identify gender diverse who battle endometriosis. Now, approximately globally, 200 million people suffer with this disease. On average, it can take six and a half years to be diagnosed with it. And the only way you can get that diagnosis is through surgical intervention. Symptoms such as pain, cramping, bloating, fatigue, nausea, cost endo warriors time, money, and quality of life. Financially, it costs an endo warrior $30,000 per year. So in turn, that costs this country $9.7 billion annually. Unfortunately, there is no cure. And many battle this debilitating disease in silence. Because it's periods. It's women's business. No one talks about that. Things are changing, though, and more awareness about women's health, especially endometriosis, is in the headlines. More recently, it was with the government announcing $58 million to go towards endometriosis funding, which is wonderful news for our endo warriors. My journey has been an extremely long battle. I have got stage four endometriosis. Unfortunately, it has damaged my bowel, uterus, it killed my appendix, and was starting to creep up towards my kidneys. The damage so bad on my uterus that I've got endo's evil cousin, adenomyosis. And for me, unfortunately, it has led to infertility and I can't become a mum. And that is probably the most difficult thing that I have had to accept going through this lonely endo journey. And I forgot to mention there's losing friendships after cancelling so many social events, people not understanding in workplaces, creating mental health issues such as anxiety. And there's living with the daily pain of feeling like someone is stabbing me in the abdomen, uh, going to the toilet hurts, you name it, I've got all the different cramps. It's not a fun time. However, one thing I'm extremely passionate about is talking about it, creating the awareness, because by doing that, people are booking appointments to see their GP, to get into specialists, to get the answers. We get the conversations into government. We get the funding, which then helps with research which then, hopefully, one day will help find a cure. So for future endo warriors, you will not have to go through what many over the years have. In this podcast, I want to educate you all about endometriosis. We're going to catch up with some of the ambassadors from Endometriosis Australia, including Olympian Emily Seabom, reality TV star Angie Kent, the Honourable Greg Hunt, who is the Health Minister, uh, explain to you the National Action Plan, and we'll also just go through exactly what this funding for endometriosis announced from the government will be moving forward. But firstly, let's learn about this strange disease, which, to be honest, when I first got told about it, I thought it was some sort of prehistoric creature from the Jurassic period. Endometriosis. A gentleman who knows all about it is one of the world's leading professors when it comes to surgical treatment of endometriosis. He has dedicated his life to this disease. It is the amazing Professor Jason Abbott. Hi, Ellie. How are you? It's lovely to talk to you again. I'm just so excited that the radio bosses have said, hey, you can do our radio special on endometriosis to create awareness and start these conversations, which is so important to educate people about it. Uh, look, I think it's more than important, Delhi, and, and I want to thank your bosses too because it's only through this increased recognition that we are going to make the changes that we know that the endometriosis community needs and wants. 
One in nine go through endometriosis. What exactly is it? Endometriosis is a really common problem and it affects one in nine women, girls and members of the gender diverse community. And, you know, that's coming through from new Australian research. And I think that that's a really important thing that we can be proud of because now we've got great, solid scientific evidence to tell us that this is such a prevalent problem. Endometriosis is actually uh, a problem that occurs when you get tissue that's similar to the lining of the uterus occurring outside of the uterus. And it can actually occur anywhere, most commonly in the pelvis, but it can go anywhere else in the body. We see it very frequently in places like the bowel, the bladder, uh, sometimes in the upper abdomen, but it's been reported in all kinds of weird and wonderful places, rarely, but still might occur in places like the brain or the muscles, uh, in the lungs, uh, and even in joints. So it's something that's a little bit weird. It's a bit um, strange when it goes to those places, but it really is super common and it causes pain. It causes infertility problems for a really large portion of the community. And we know that it can have general systemic symptoms in addition, things like fatigue, things like bloating, things like migraine. So there's lots of associations that aren't just about the pelvis that we need to delve into. Now, there is no cure and it is an extremely complex disease because every single endo warrior is different when it comes to their symptoms and their journey. Mm. And it's trying to get that official diagnosis. The only way you can do it is via this surgery, which is a drastic measure to get a medical diagnosis. Yeah, look, it's quite strange, isn't it? If you think that the only way that you can determine this disease is by having a general anaesthetic in a hospital and then having a hole put in your belly button and having a look inside your tummy. It's just a bit weird. Researchers in this field have been looking at this problem for decades and trying to work out a blood test, a urine test, a saliva test, um, genetics test, and we're getting closer. And as we get more investment, we are going to get better non-invasive diagnostic tests. We've had some real improvements, I have to say, Ellie, over the last decade with things like imaging. And we know that ultrasound and uh, MRI have come a huge, huge, huge long way in helping us to make a diagnosis in some, but not all, people who have endometriosis. And I think that that's an important point. But we also know that for some women and girls and the gender diverse community, that they may need to have a surgery to make that diagnosis. I think it's also really important to point out that we can have a really strong suspicion of endometriosis. And that means that we can start some treatments because there's lots of treatments that don't involve surgery that can really help people with their symptoms and with their disease that don't involve surgery. But you're absolutely right. Currently, the only way that we can confirm that diagnosis is with that invasive surgery, but it doesn't have to be the first step. And I think the first step is education, awareness, and then a plan because you, you hit the nail on the head. And I really like what you said there at the top. Everyone who has this disease is different and everyone therefore needs a different plan and there's no cure. Mm. So what works for some people doesn't work for others and that's a really important point for us to remember. And it can start off when you very first get your period as well and that's what we as team members of Endometriosis Australia are about, educating young people about endo. Absolutely and I think that educating people in their very early years and that includes both girls and boys and uh, other members of the community around what menstruation is, 
what pain is and the problems that can go with early problems relating to the reproductive system is so, so important. And there's lots of myths and misconceptions out there. And one of them is that, you know, teenagers are too young to get endometriosis. And that's simply not true. We know that it can absolutely occur. And again, if you're having problems, that means that you're missing school when you're a teenager, that's interrupting your social life, then don't wait. Don't accept that this is just normal. But you need to go to see your general practitioner. You need to see someone who's going to listen to you and then start a plan. And that plan of action could be something super simple. But if it's not working, then we need to escalate that. And we need to start putting things in place so that girls in their teenage years and other members of the community are being listened to and that there is a plan for them to get their education so that they can be the best person that they can be. An excellent resource is endometriosisaustralia.org. A wealth of information there, especially for those who are new to this. If you're listening and ears are pricking up going, hey, I'm I'm not going to school, I'm not going to work because I'm in so much pain, highly recommend that you get there. And Professor Jason Abbott, you do some incredible work for the team there too. Thanks so much, Ellie. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Your partner, sister, cousin, mother, auntie. Workmate, best friend, you. Giving a voice to the one in nine endo warriors during Endometriosis Awareness Month. Life with Endo. My next guest has appeared at four Olympic Games from 2008 up until recently in Tokyo. She's won three Olympic gold medals, five World Championship gold medals, seven comms game medals. The list of achievements goes on and she's done it while battling endometriosis. It's Emily Seabom and so good to chat to you, lovely. Hi, how are you? Good, how how are you feeling at the moment? Oh, actually, I've got a bit of a stomachache and back pain, but you probably know all about it. So, <laughs> oh, It's fitting, isn't it? It loves to creep up, especially during March when there's so much talk around endometriosis. I know. It's like it, it knows exactly what's happening. So if only I knew exactly what's happening in my body. <laughs> it does get a little bit like that. So you have been diagnosed with endo. You've had surgeries, competing in multiple Olympics, dealing with this debilitating disease. When did you first know something's not right? Around the same year that the Rio Olympics were happening. Mm -hmm. So about in June, I went and saw my gynecologist after starting to really kind of track my cycle and work out where issues were coming from and realised that I was getting a period like every two weeks. So that was really unusual. They lasted around nine, ten days long as well. So as a swimmer, that is super frustrating Mm. and at times really hard to deal with and then you know from that then came pain and cravings and just things that you know you normally get with a cycle but almost like double triple what you would normally expect and then yeah it wasn't until December when I could actually get the surgery to obviously be confirmed that I did have endometriosis and yeah it was just a really hard time trying to listen to my body, but compete for the Olympics as well. I love one of the articles you wrote for The Guardian after being diagnosed. Uh, I won Olympic golds with endometriosis. Anything is possible. Doesn't mean anything's easy because obviously endo has numerous amounts of challenges for everyone. So I wouldn't say any of that was easy, but you just got to work with yourself and work with your body. And just because you have endo, it shouldn't stop you from doing anything. You just have to find a better way to do it. Growing up playing hockey, 
there was never any chats around periods or anything. And in fact, uh, I know that there was a lot of jokes around tampons and pads in the hockey chains rooms. I'm thankful that things are changing and we shouldn't be joking about it. It actually is a serious conversation. There is a lot of sports people talking about their struggles with endometriosis. More recently in the Australian Open, Danielle Collins, she played Ash Barty in the grand final and she's been through a horrendous time with her endo. It was only 12 months ago having emergency surgery going through it, but it's definitely more accepting now than what it used to be. Yeah, it's awesome. I think we realise as athletes, periods are normal and that we you know are just normal women competing for Australia and that we're going to get our period at the time we're competing or or we might not get our period at that time but we're having more conversations about it we're having more conversations about the way our bodies look and the way that you know it's meant to be is to have honest conversations like this so we can normalize that conversation happening in sport and happening in schools and happening Mm. you know at home and wherever it might be it's just about making those conversations easier absolutely and having people like yourself being so open and honest about your journey that really does help others get the confidence to want to say hey there's something going on I need to do something what would be your biggest piece of advice to other endo warriors I think it's just if you know that there's something wrong don't don't second guess yourself. You know your body better than anyone else and just keep going until you find someone that really believes what you're saying. Yeah, it's your body. You fight for it. Be your own advocate. If you're not happy, go and get a second or a third opinion. You keep on fighting until you get the answers that you think you deserve. I had doctors tell me that I was crazy and that it was all in my head and that there was nothing wrong with me. Yeah, that was certainly not the case when I eventually was diagnosed with stage four endometriosis. Thank you so much to Emily Seabom, Olympic gold medalist, world champion in the pool and endo ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. Starting a conversation for Endometriosis Awareness Month, Life with Endo. Reality TV star Angie Kent, we fell in love with her with her bestie on Gogglebox. She went to find love on The Bachelorette. Went into the jungle for I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and more recently hit the dance floor for Dancing with the Stars, the all-star edition. You watch her on her socials and on TV. She's so engaging and bubbly and happy. However, she does live with endometriosis. It took her 20 years to finally figure out what was going on in her body, and I got talking to her about reflecting on her younger days, whether or not she could kind of pinpoint that moment. I really had a sit with this the other day because somebody else, I had to write an article about endometriosis for Endometriosis Awareness Month. And I really sat with it and I thought, I have trauma blocked a lot of stuff that was painful, which I feel a lot of people with wombs do. I was brought up to think the periods were not to be talked about and were just and we just had to deal with it. I obviously remember suffering with it, but I also have created this kind of memory around it where I just had to deal. So I I think it was so much worse than what it was because I read through old diaries now and I'm like, wow, I do not remember that. It's like I fully blocked it. But I don't think it was normal for me to be fainting nearly every time I had my period. And I do remember that part. When did that first begin for you? How old were you? Well, I first got my period when I was 12 and I remember I fainted and I was like on the toilet and my mum and I hadn't even had the talk yet and I fainted and then I had it and then I didn't get it again for a year later. Mm. Um, so even that alone was a bit odd. 
And my period was always inconsistent. It would like be there and then it wouldn't, and then it would be there and then it wouldn't. And it was just, it was always a roller coaster. And during that time, did you go to the GP or think there's something going on here? I need to find out what's happening. Like, mum, is this normal? No, no, that's the saddest part. We didn't really speak about period so much. Obviously, we had like PDT, personal development and thinking where they would be like, you get your period, you have sex, don't have sex. I went to a Catholic school or you'll get pregnant. It was just like so basic back then. Mm -hmm. So that was like 90s, early 2000s. And it just, there wasn't much education surrounding periods or painful periods um, because obviously painful periods are not normal, whereas a lot of people think that they are and they're totally not I've learned now the hard way but I've still learned that's a really important message too if your period is so painful it is putting your life on hold you need to seek medical advice because that is not normal so you started the process went to a doctor well I got to the point my symptoms got worse as I got older I got to the point I was seeing a GP since I was 21 so she kind of generally knew about me right and she noticed you know she saw my struggles with my eating disorder and my acne and my mental health and my pain and then one day she was like look we're going to put you on the pill because your acne has come back and I know that triggers your eating disorder and you're in a lot of pain so it was all that and I was like okay sounds good and then you know I'll bleed through the pill and I was like this is I don't want to be on the pill I'm bleeding through my skin hasn't got any better like what is going on and she was like I reckon you might have endometriosis so obviously we go get the ultrasound which you don't normally see endometriosis in there for some people and then she was like I still think you have it so let's book you in for a laparoscopy and I went through the public health system I didn't know my surgeon at all I was kind of handed over to a complete stranger and I'm like oh god um and they found endometriosis only a little bit but my symptoms you know they say it doesn't matter if you're riddled or you have a little bit everybody is different right and my symptoms were it just brought so many answers to me but also left me feeling like wow if only I knew I had this all those years ago would have I put myself through Mm. all that stress That was Angie Kent, reality TV star and endo warrior. Giving a voice to the one in nine who suffer in silence and starting a conversation for Endometriosis Awareness Month. And let me tell you, creating this awareness is working because about 10 years ago, there was no talk of endometriosis in government. Definitely was not a national action plan or any sort of funding to help out the endo warriors. How times are changing. A couple of years ago, The National Action Plan for Endometriosis was put into place and it was only last week that the government announced a huge amount of funding, $58 million to help out endo warriors. There's been many people in Parliament who have helped champion this, including former member for Canberra, the amazing Gay Brotman, member for Boothby, Nicole Flint, Liberal MP, Nola Marino, and the Honourable Health Minister, Mr Greg Hunt. What exactly is this National Action Plan I'm talking about? Have a listen to this. Minister Hunt, good morning. Thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you for doing it. It's just a, an absolute privilege to join you, Ellie, and uh, all of the women who are focused on endometriosis and their partners and their friends. So it's a hugely important topic that affects you know, one in nine Australian women. Now, it was 2018 the National Action Plan was announced. I was there in Parliament with you as we celebrated and you apologised to all of the women who have suffered over the years with endometriosis, and it was just such a monumental moment, which will stick with me forever. Well, it was it was hard to forget the day and the emotion, but it was about recognising and celebrating the 
advocacy of our endo warriors, of all of the uh, women who've suffered in silence and ending that silence. And so even though there was sadness and, you know, yes, I did apologise, I thought because the, it's it had been a topic which had been ignored for too long and about which there'd been not a conspiracy of silence, but just, I guess, a, an embarrassment of silence is mm. what I'd call it. It was an issue whose time had come due. To have such powerful advocates there meant that it was a really moving and important day. Can you explain in layman's terms what the actual action plan means and how it does help our endo warriors in Australia? Yeah, so the, the action plan is really built on four things. The first is awareness, so public awareness of endometriosis, the fact that this is a common exceptionally painful. Obviously, it's a spectrum depending on any particular woman's experience and frequently debilitating and deeply debilitating condition. Secondly, to help explain the condition itself. So the awareness, the explanation. So as women can seek out treatment in confidence to know that they can go and to know that their clinicians will be supportive. Thirdly is to actually have the treatment options. And fourthly is to look at research. Um, into endometriosis and chronic pelvic pain. Endometriosis is something which um, Ellie began on our watch together, along with many other endo warriors, uh, in terms of the public awareness. You were there from the outset. In my time on my watch, we've been able to jointly elevate it, but we're making progress. Mm. I'll continue to make sure that there's funds and investment and awareness. So we just tell that story and we continue to give Australian women support, but above all else, hope. Yesterday yourself, the Prime Minister, alongside his wife, Jenny Morrison, who does have endometriosis, announced with the uh, forthcoming budget, a record $58 million will be provided under the National Action Plan for Endo. So this is going to be improving so many things. How can we ensure that moving forward, the endo conversation continues in Parliament and we don't get forgotten? Is it organising to go and have a couple with someone from the government or how do we do it? A, keep going, but B, meeting them. Nothing beats meeting someone face to face. I think that that's extremely important. If you book in uh, and ask to see your uh, your local MP, I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of them will make time for uh, the, the endo warriors or the different representatives of the different endometriosis groups and organisations to meet with them to talk with them about the challenge and to reaffirm that you want the national plan extended and implemented. And at my end, that's what I'm committed to. But at your end, I think you can make a really big difference in boosting the education. That education has increased dramatically over the last three to four years, but it can always be stronger. It can always be better. Last week, the government announced that through the 22-23 budget, a record $58 million will be provided under the National Action Plan for ENDO. Uh, this is to help improve diagnosis and primary care support, helping ENDO warriors find more appropriate care and better manage the impact of this debilitating disease. So how does the $58 million get broken down? Well, some of the initiatives do include $16.4 million to establish new specialised endo and pelvic pain clinics in each state and territory and nurse navigators pilot. This is such a great thing because sometimes you go into a place like ED and they're so busy, they're so flat chat, they may not know what endometriosis is. And finally, to be able to have this specialised area to go and manage your pelvic pain is life-changing. 
There'll be $25.2 million to support women with severe endometriosis and other conditions that affect fertility to access new Medicare-funded MRI scans. Oh, that's music to many people's ears because MRIs, they are not cheap. $5.1 million is going to develop an endometriosis management plan to support patients in primary care. That is so, so good. There's also $5.1 million going towards the National Endoclinical and Scientific Trials Network. There is other funding going into areas like promotion in the Australian Clinical Practice Guidelines. A bunch of money going to increase awareness and education of endo. That also includes a mental program to support those newly diagnosed and a workplace assistant program to support employees and employers to navigate discussions in the workplace. I know so many who have lost their jobs because of endo. Bosses just don't understand. Sometimes when you do have a male manager, it can be a really difficult and uncomfortable conversation to have and you don't want to say anything, so you keep it a secret. There's so many emotions and feelings when it comes to dealing with endo in the workplace, so this is really good news. There's also going to be $1.4 million for the EndoZone digital platform providing access to evidence-based information. And there's also $300,000 to promote access to uh, some stuff on the Medicare benefits schedule and PBS as well. It's a lot of money. There is a lot of stuff happening when it comes to the world of endometriosis. But the key thing is to keep the conversation going to continue raising that awareness. As Minister Greg Hunt did suggest, book an appointment with your local member, have a conversation, keep it going. It could even start just simply by having it with a workmate or your best friend. One in nine go through endometriosis. So you're bound to know someone who is going through it. Continue that conversation. And if you would like more information, I'm a proud ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. Check out their website for everything you need to know, endometriosisaustralia.org. Thank you so much for tuning in to this very special podcast. I'm extremely passionate about it. Your time is greatly appreciated. Take care of yourself. And remember, you are your own advocate for your body. So you keep fighting until you get the answers that you want.